The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. The story of the UK is an economy that has got real momentum. What is broken can be repaired. What is ruined can be rebuilt. UK inflation is becoming much more homegrown. We have huge potential as an economy in the UK. This is a time to tell Israel there is a path to peace. Our plan for the British economy is working, but the work is not done. Hello, welcome to Bloomberg UK Politics. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm James Walcock. Um, Caroline, I've got a bit of a confession. Yes. Um, I went to a party without you. What? Unacceptable. I was only off a couple of days with a voiceless bad throat. I mean, it was a party political conference, So, but I know we always go together. Like you said, you were away and it was Labour's annual business conference and we've been asking and asking what Keir Starmer's policy pitch to business is. So I went to hear what he had to say. For the whole of the next parliament, with Labour, you will know exactly the return on your investment in this country. Because at the end of the day, when the big questions that echo around rooms like this are raised, where does our money go? Where do our jobs go? Where does our investment in a better future go? I want the answer that comes back to be a resounding, why not Britain? Because we have a long-term plan to get Britain's future back. A partnership for growth. British business driving our country forward with a Labour Party on your side, walking together with you towards a decade of national renewal. That was Labour leader Keir Starmer there speaking to a packed room of senior business executives at Labour's business conference yesterday. Well, look, what did you make of it then? I mean, there were a lot of people. I hear it was very, very crowded. I mean, yeah, you could see the likes of Shell, Microsoft, Heathrow, Siemens there. In short, British business leaders were gagging to be there. It was a completely sold out event, 600 Mm. people. Um, Jonathan Reynolds told us on radio yesterday, that's the shadow business secretary, that it was Labour's largest ever business event. Uh, One thing that I think we'll probably try and get into a bit later in the show is we still don't yet know what the policy coming from it was. Mm. But certainly Labour has business's ear and business wants to know what Labour have to say. And you can look at that from just the sort of the scale of business leaders who are now openly endorsing Labour. Yeah, but look, we've known that, haven't we, for some time, that the courting has been taking place, you know, again and again in London, in New York, in in lots of places. How do you think Starmer actually came across to those business people? One thing that I found quite interesting in what Starmer had to say is... He clearly seems to need them as much as he they need him. In mm-hmm. that, how he painted this was, this is a project we're going to be doing together. And when you look at Labour's sort of favourite two words, fiscal rules, the rules the government sets about how it can spend, and their reliance on saying that they're going to be a fiscally responsible party, mm-hmm. the implication there is someone else will need to do with that investment. And Labour's pitch to businesses, come and do that with us. Underneath that is the kind of implication that no one else has got the money to. So 
there is this sort of pact being proposed okay. by Labour there. Yeah. And also, of course, for Labour to try to capture the centre ground. You know, we know that um, they're trying to transform themselves or, or simply embody the kind of the line, the pro-business party. So it's getting a lot of attention, you know, this allyship. And it is certainly a transformation because Starmer's speech sort of started by asking how many people in the room would have attended a Labour business conference a few years ago, you know, concluding that the answer would have been basically basically not many, according to Keir Starmer, because the party wasn't serious about driving investment. So this event really does seem to be the culmination of a lot a lot of work. I mean, how close are they, do you think, to sealing the deal with business? I think if you talk to a lot of public affairs advisors, yeah. they say that tone-wise, they've got everything they want. Mm. They still want to see the detail and they're not going to go anywhere until they see the detail. But they will happily say a lot nicer things than they said they would say about Labour when Jeremy Corbyn was in power. Yeah, okay. One note of caution that I would add to that, though, is um, the Labour Party obviously trying to appeal to business people, but people vote both, you know, for their business interests on a professional level, but also on a personal level. And I know that four, five serious business people that I've spoken to in the last month, six weeks, have sort of ruefully, even as a little aside, mentioned Labour's potential plan to add VAT to private school fees, that 20%. You know, they mutter it under their breath as a, a you know, almost a fait accompli. But I think that that VAT on school school fees is going to go into the mix also um, you know not business people obviously driven I think you know by the interests of their firms but you can't help but think there's also a personal angle to how they're going to vote mm, I mean that'd be an interesting one to follow I mean someone who can provide us with some wider context though, about Labour's new business friendly makeover is Emily Ashton from our UK government team here at Bloomberg She's been following Labour's trials and tribulations for quite a long time. This is, I'm talking to the real expert here, Emily, in <laughs> <Too> Labour <long>. Party. <laughs> do, you, do you think this pitch is enough to win over the business world? Well, as you say, it was a packed event, wasn't it? I think we had, you know, 400 business leaders, executives, lobbyists. Um, and clearly that shows how much, well, as Keir Starmer kept saying, how much Labour has changed. And I think that's the main thing that he wanted to present with this event. Mm. It was kind of an outward facing event for the news channels. Like, look what we've got guys and you also saw it with the Labour conference uh, last last uh, autumn mm. that business event everyone's flocking to them and it's um it's something that privately I think conservative MPs are mustering well why aren't we doing more on that and even Rishi Sunak on the day did his own little small business event and panel I don't know how when that was organized why it was on exactly the same day but obviously they're they're a little bit nervous about what Labour's doing and Labour wants those big business endorsements before the election okay so is it relationship driven? Is it policy driven? How do you think about it? Well, I think it's about projecting an image about what the party is ahead of the election. But yes, uh, forging relationships. Um, policy, as James says, we they, they clearly needs to be more detail. But what Rachel Reeves announced, things like capping corporation tax rates, mm. you know, that is music to the ears of big business. And that's what they want to hear. I mean, there is a danger that you're boxing yourself in by announcing too many of these uh, tax, tax announcements when you don't really know the full um, picture of how it's all going to look post-election. I mean, the other thing that Rachel Reeves said this week was that she wasn't going to bring back a cap on bankers' bonuses. I mean, mm. Labour's trying to draw this line of being both the pro-business party and the pro-worker party. Do you think they can do it? I think the bonus cap is something that has clearly 
shaken up some Labour candidates, some Labour MPs. It's a difficult policy to sell on the doorsteps, frankly. You know, why do bankers get all these, all this money? And it's something that Labour really railed against when Kwasi Kwarteng announced it in his in the mini budget. And now you're like rolling. It looks like Labour's rolling over and um, just accepting it. But her point was, we can't keep chopping and changing policy. And I guess on the day of a big business conference to say, oh, by the way, now we're actually going to cap bonuses, business be like, well, hang on a minute. I thought this was about stability. So she's kind of caught there a little bit. But I think that could have been better handled communications wise. And I think it has made some um, within the party a bit uneasy about how you sell that. Yeah, I also think that, you know, on the doorstep, the VAT on private school fees is another issue. It seems to, in some of the polling, it's, it, you know, take polling with a pinch of salt, but it does seem to be that it's actually popular, this idea of, of um, making people pay more and why are these private schools, why mm. do they have sort of special charitable status and so on. Um, but again, it's, it's, it's a really hard one if they're trying to convince kind of um, influencers, people who, who might be in business who are, who are utilising those schools. Yeah, and I think they will get questions now on, are you going to keep that policy then? Because, mm. hang on, what about the bonus? Yes. It doesn't quite go together. Yes. But... I think they've got to be very wary. I mean, we've been hearing just privately that they will stick to it. I mean, you don't know what's going to happen in the next few months, but they can't keep changing their minds on things because ultimately they do have to stick to a few key policies to show that, you know, they are. I think Keir Starmer comes in for quite a lot of criticism on chopping and changing and he needs to stick to a few key policies. I mean, the Boris Johnson line was famously Captain Hindsight, wasn't it? I mm. mean, the, the question I have for you, Emily, as someone who's deep in sort of the inner workings of the Labour Party, knows at all is is there a world in which we actually don't know much about how this Labour Party would theoretically govern until they win the election? I th- I think that's right, and I I get the feeling that the approach now is just uber cautious, like so cautious and so friendly to business because they want to really separate themselves from the era of Jeremy Corbyn, um, and and that to some people on the left is like oh come on well what are you going to do differently but actually they see the public the voting public as socially conservative with a small c they know they need to win these people over they need Mm. to win their trust so they i think the feeling is we need to just keep going keep going even if they're seen as Tory light, get into power because that's ultimately just centrist governments, centrist parties have more chance of getting into power. And then once they're in, you know, who knows? Things can change. And as you say, workers' rights is another issue where businesses are going to be a bit, uh, well, where's the detail? What are you going to change on workers' rights? They've they've said they're going to help workers with more rights in business. What does that mean for business leaders? But I could see that they're probably going to leave that for when they're in power to put the mm. detail on that yeah and you might see something more radical then because then they're in yes and so to the question also then um is there a danger of sort of cronyism as it were for for the labor party i mean that's that's the accusation against the conservative party right now you know for Mm. for the pandemic era contracts you know for the for the kind of vip fast lane and for cronyism in other spheres also to do with public life that's the accusation against the conservatives is there a danger that then the labor party could become too closely aligned with business yeah i guess they they do have to be careful with that and you can see the attack lines from labor Mm. over the covid pandemic contracts and you know they've really 
really gone hard on that. So they do have to be careful not to be too in the pockets of business leaders and everything. But ultimately, this is about projecting an image that they can work with business and they're on the same page as them um, and just to reassure the public that they can be trusted. How important do you think competency is also in in how Labour goes about with this win? In terms of the projection, the idea of being a competent, fresh, new pair of hands. Right, exactly. They they need to show that they can actually govern. So, you know, Labour have been out of power for 14 years. Mm. Um, Keir Starmer needs to present himself as a prime minister in waiting almost. He, he is... He was the leader of the Crown Prosecution Service. He he does exude that kind of um, public authority leader, um, but he but he but he is trying to show that his party is not just an opposition party, but a government in waiting, and that's why you will see this closest to business over time. Emily Ashton, our UK government reporter, thank you for coming and joining us on the podcast. Well, Emily was speaking about a government in waiting and actually one of Labour's recent high profile successes is managing to recruit a very big business name to their camp. This is Richard Walker, who's the executive chairman of the Iceland supermarket chain. He was actually, James, a longtime Conservative Party member and donor, but he quit their ranks last year after failing to be selected as a parliamentary candidate. And he was speaking to us here on Bloomberg Radio just today. He's spoke to Stephen Carroll and Lizzie Burden about the policies that attracted him to Labour. The tone and the mood music is good. You know, they have these five missions that that are very clear in terms of what they want to be judged by. Obviously, business likes clear objectives. And I think those priorities and the focus are, are the right ones for, for business, um, for the environment and for my customers. You're right to point out that, you know, in terms of detailed policies, they're, they're, they obviously do have policies and there are ones that I think um, are interesting and, and definitely helpful to us in terms of absolutely systemic reform of, of business rates, which is something that, that we really struggle with. Uh, planning rate, uh, planning reform, which again, to, to get Britain building, to enable us to open shops, um, to pay tax, to create jobs, and also a focus on things like staff safety, which may sound like a side issue, but it absolutely isn't. More police funding, bringing back neighbourhood policing, reducing the cap on police response to, to shoplifting, uh, banning zombie knives. All of those things are really important because we're very much on the front line, on the high street, a thousand shops around the country. And we, we see and feel mm. and hear these issues on a daily basis. But I think overall, yes, you're right. You know, the tonality of fiscal credibility and stability, aiming to become the first green chancellor, their green prosperity plan to make Britain a green energy superpower, their industrial strategy, um, all of that is stuff that I want to see from a government and historically was very much where the Conservative Party were. Labour's saying there isn't scope to raise taxes further. The Shadow Business Secretary Jonathan Reynolds told us that on Bloomberg Radio yesterday. But it brings us back to this question, Richard, of whether they're going to have to borrow more to cover public spending. Yes, Labour can say they're going to be more fiscally responsible, but how does it all add up? I'm at pains to stress. I'm I'm not joining the Labour Party. I'm, I'm not running to be an MP and I'm certainly not their spokesman. You know, I, I want to be their critical friend. Um, I like the tonality. I like some of their policies, um, but I will also be holding them to account, you know, to, to, to make sure that they, you know, they, they stay on the right tracks with that, with that fiscal credibility and also with their 
you know, ambitions um, to, uh, to to uh, affect the green transition, which I think is something very close to my heart. Uh, traditionally, that was very much, you know, conservative values in terms of conserving the environment. And they've very much drifted away from that. So, you know, that's that's very much what I want to see out of the next Labour government. Well, as a critical friend, then, what would you like to see the Labour Party change in its policy towards business? Well, I th- you know, I think uh, definitely in terms of their, their green aspirations, if you, if you look at a lot of environmental policies, it, it's almost like a sullied afterthought now for the Conservatives. And they're very so not much, ambitious uh, enough. Yeah, not ambitious enough at all. Um, and if you look at, you know, the business sector generally, just moving away from retail, we have incredible capabilities in this country. We're surrounded by tide and, and wind, and we need to harness, you know, all of these technologies where we could potentially be a world-leading superpower and create whole new ranges of jobs and new sectors and around the UK, which is really important because... Um, in the UK, we obviously have um, quite quite high regional disparities and and inequalities. And actually, you know, I see that obviously in in our shops around the UK. And it's very important that levelling up is not just a slogan. And it's not just building a faster train line to London. It's actually creating jobs in the sorts of towns and villages that are being left behind. I wonder, Richard, when business support for Labour is going to translate into actual financial support for the campaign. Yeah, I mean, I um, I've donated to the Conservatives in the in the past. Um, obviously, won't be again. Um, I'm not uh, planning on donating to Labour, um, but I know that there is a lot of interest now. I've spoken to a lot of business leaders who are, you know, who I think it's hard to argue that the country is in a a better state than than it was 14 years ago when the Conservatives took power. Of, of course, that's not the case, and there is a general sense that you know the country isn't working for citizens, but also uh, for, for business. Um, yesterday, I was at the, the Labour Business Conference, and it was absolutely rampacked with FTSE CEOs. And I think you know we will start to see much more interest from that. Has Rachel Reeves got you out recruiting the other CEOs to the Labour cause? There are cynics out there who'll be saying that it's very opportunistic of you to support a party that's doing so well in the polls. Is that a fair criticism? How do you respond to that? Well, uh, yes, I've obviously, obviously, you know, left the Conservatives and are very much aligning myself with with Labour. So, you know, people have said, is it sour grapes or is it opportunism or, or whatever? But what's really interesting is that my values and principles haven't changed you know, these social kind of democracy, environmental justice, business investment, these are things that I have long held dear. And as the, the, the conservatives have kind of drifted out of touch with the needs of everyday people like my customers and drifted, drifting further and further to the right, it's quite clear that under Keir Starmer, Labour are moving towards the kind of pragmatic centre, the, the views that I've long held. And, you know, he's he's purged the kind of poison of Corbynism, the more extremist elements within his party. He's done that in a single term, quite ruthlessly, actually. And he's made them once again, very electable from the centre. And that's what I want to see. So that was Richard Walker there, the executive chairman of the supermarket chain Ison. Pretty interesting. We did also ask him whether he still got um, his own sort of personal uh, political ambitions. He did not say either way, yes or no. So perhaps 
plans on ice. Ba-boom. Oh, you couldn't resist that, could you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, coming back to the economy, though, because both parties clearly grasp that going into this election, they have to answer to Britain's growth problem. And this hasn't been a new case. I mean, you go back to 2022 party conference season, Liz Truss, Keir Starmer, both were saying growth, growth, growth. That yes. is the political question. We've now heard a bit of from what Labour want to say about that question. We're going to hear some from Jeremy Hunt in a few weeks about the budget. And going back to that Liz Truss era, a former Chancellor, Quasi Kwarteng, has been talking to our colleague, Meryn Somerset-Webb. He has some advice for Rishi Sunak. You may not be surprised. It all comes back to taxes. Have a listen to this. I think, I think the tax burden is something which he has to look at. I'd be amazed if, after the budget this year, we don't see some tax cuts. Because essentially, if they don't uh, cut taxes, um, I think you're essentially running on the same programme as the Labour Party. But it'll be nitpicky, won't it? I mean, he, I don't he know. I mean, it could be quite radical. He's had a whole yeah. year to plan that. And, and, and who knows? Maybe they've been working behind the scenes to reform our tax uh, code. I doubt it. Um, I think it will be, as you say, a bit sort of nitpicky and piecemeal. But we don't know that. I mean, I think it's worth saying that Quarting back tax cuts before he came to power. He then tried to enact them. And even after the disastrous mini-budget and the IMF intervening, he still thinks they're a good idea now. So it's not a surprise that he thinks Sunak should be doing them. For me, what I really took from that is it's his statement that tax cuts are the big dividing line between Labour and the Conservatives going into the next election, which given what we've heard from Richard Walker, yeah. this implication that Labour have quite successfully taken the Tories' turf. Yeah. And but look, slightly tearing one's hair out about the idea of kind of radical tax cut policies given his disastrous and short-lived tenure but yet you know you have to balance that with the acknowledged productivity issue that Britain has the acknowledged growth problem that that the UK has and so you know speaking to sort of fertile ground um, amongst business leaders who obviously want that to happen, for there to be a much more positive um, case made for, for the UK. But look, Kwasi Kwarteng, Chancellor at the time, interesting to hear what he had to say to Merrin, his retrospective uh, on that time, his time as Chancellor, simply that they went too quickly when it comes to tax cuts. Have a listen to this. We took it too fast. And even at the time I was reticent was that we discussed spending plans. In fact, I think Simon Clark uh, publicly said that we were all through the leadership campaign, we were looking at spending restraint and savings. And I think looking back, and even at the time, I thought it would be a, a better idea to present the tax cuts with some spending restraint. Because there so, were a lot of tax cuts. I and mean, that was a were. lot up front, taking so, away 45 so the, 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 yeah, corporation the expansion tax, etc. Forty-five billion. Yeah. On the scorecard. And of course, that was on top of the energy intervention, which was which scored was at huge. about 60. And I think, understandably, markets were concerned, got concerned. Looking back, and we discussed it at the time, I think we, the expansion should have been less than 45 billion. If we'd stuck to what Liz Truss had campaigned on, namely the um, not increasing corporation tax from 19% and also getting rid of the NI, that was scored at 35 billion. And along with the 35 billion, we should have we should have presented some uh, savings. Now these aren't cuts; uh, they're slow uh, they're reductions in the rate of growth. For mathematicians out there, it's a first order; it goes down. So that means that spending isn't going up as fast as you had anticipated. It's still going up, 
But instead of, let's say, uh, two or three percent a year, we were trying uh, to restrain that growth to something like one percent a year. Well, I think the idea the being subs- to get GDP growing faster than spending. That's right. right. That's right. I mean, it's a very simple equation. But if your public spending is going faster uh, than your GDP, or certainly your tax take, that just means the state gets larger and larger as a proportion of GDP. So he's not apologising, Caroline, but he also won't get rid of Sunak at the same time. He's just happy to say from the background that the approach might be wrong. Yes, it's an acknowledgement, though, even if it's not an apology. I do, But I get your point. Yes, backseat driving for from somebody who basically crashed the car. I know that sounds harsh, but it is surely true. You know, running up against the UK's bond markets, that was immensely, an immensely difficult moment. Well, you say that, but then as someone who was at the business conference yesterday, yes. it's fascinating quite how much of some of his thinking survives on in Rachel Reeves. I put to you the banker's bonus cap uh, was yes. scrapped by Quasi Quarto. She refused to reinstate it. And in this big corporate tax cut freeze that she announced, she purposefully did not set a targeted level. She said it's going to keep it stable at 25%, yes. but left open that she could lower it to make the UK competitive in the G7. So there is this idea that lowering taxes for corporations might make the UK more competitive. Yes, but but one can also argue the other point, you know, that that has to be done for the UK's, as you say, competitiveness. You know, look, Quasi also does say, say that it will be very, very tough Um you know, what is happening now in terms of uh, the current prime minister and policy, partly because of the Conservatives' own inaction. I think this is a really good point on rolling back regulation, something that the Conservatives have promised, but Kwarteng says basically hasn't been delivered. Have a listen. I mean, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of it is to do with, well, what's coming next. So for the last year, pretty much, uh, Labour have been clear favourites to win the general election. And I think a lot of people are worried about uh, the effects of a Labour government, which is going to raise even more taxes. Mm. Although, to be fair, this discount has been there since the 2016. The discount so. has been there before, but there, there, it, it, it's, it's made of different elements. So I still think that that's still a bit of an overhang. Um, but I, and I think immediately after 2016, until relatively recently, the regulation... I mean, you know, we kept saying, oh, we're going to get rid of solvency too. We're going to yeah. liberalise. Yeah. We just didn't do didn't it. didn't do those things. Um, and we should have done those things much sooner. I think the thing you can really take from a politician like this former Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng there yeah. is he has no reason to not be honest about his ideology. And what his ideology says, two things. One is it's honest about the Conservatives' failures to mm. win at the areas they think they are most successful at. Tax yeah. cuts, bring it, opening up the markets, creating growth. He honestly believes that's what they should be doing. Yeah. And he's also open to admit, now he's passed his chancellorship, that some of those things haven't been achieved. Yeah, and it's a really beautiful and interesting interview. And you can listen to all of it on today's Merrin Talks Money podcast. It's actually quoting in very relaxed mode you know they talk about a wide sort of range of uh, issues past and kind of present so it's totally fascinating but look that's it from us for today for our podcast if you like it don't forget to subscribe do give it five stars so that other people can find it on apple podcast spotify or wherever you listen this episode was produced by tiwa adebayo and our engineer was maruful hussein i'm james wilcock and i'm caroline hepke we'll be back with more on monday this is bloomberg bloomberg uk politics Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.